This is the series we're looking at at the moment, Gifts for All. So we're doing this in October and November. And if you've been here uh, for the last sort of few weeks, you might remember, hopefully, something that I'm going to say for the next couple of minutes as a reminder. But if you don't, here's a few quick ideas. We're talking about the gifts that God has given us. And if I look a bit more carefully, I'll read what I've written down there. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Phyllis said, let there be light. And guess what? There was light then. No, oh, no, no, that's marvellous. Thank you. Thank you very much. These are the gifts that we see about in the Bible. I bet you've got lots, well, a few. Let's go for that. All of you have got a few of these gifts. If you look at the list from Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, and the others around the Bible as well, I bet you're thinking, yeah, thank you, Lord. You've asked me to do that, and I'm going for it and doing what you said. So we'll look at this list again in a few minutes, but these, is a, these are a few things we've been considering. God gives his supernatural gifts to us lavishly. He doesn't just say, it's just a tiny bit for Jill, because she's been a, all right this week. A tiny bit for her. Margaret, here's a lot for you. You're such a saint. God doesn't say that. He treats us all equally. He loves us. He gives the gifts out to all of us. So what does that mean we need to do? Use our gifts liberally as well, isn't it? We're not going to get the gifts from God lavishly and then keep them to ourselves. That doesn't seem right at all. But we do need to use them in humility and love. We do need to remember that we're speaking to real people who have feelings. So we have to talk and encourage in a, in a loving way, don't we? Because we want them to be made whole and to be blessed and enlivened by God. We've all got gifts. That's the most definite thing. But it can be a bit risky using them sometimes. You might think, oh, it's so much easier if I don't use the gifts that God has given me, if I just keep quiet and don't do anything. But then you're missing out in using the gifts, and definitely other people are missing out on the gifts that God has given you as well. So we want to continue to grow in the gifts that God has given us all. This morning, we're using that phrase that Margaret read, why do you stand looking? So we'll hear that phrase several times through this morning. Why do you stand looking? It was the angels talking to the disciples. And the angel said, why do you stand looking? And then continued a few more words after that. Why do you stand looking? Let's think about it, though. Jesus had just ascended into heaven. And that's when the angel said to the disciples, why do you stand looking? So what had been happening in that time since Jesus had died? First of all, the disciples had been with Jesus for three years. Think back three years ago. About COVID time. Isn't it? Is that right? So can you imagine all the time we've spent since COVID that's the length of time that the Jews, that the disciples rather, spent with Jesus. What did they see? 
what did they hear? As I've put there, Jesus had authority. He was different from the Pharisees and the scribes and the elders that would meet in the different uh, synagogues. Jesus was different. But they'd spent three years with him. But then they saw Jesus die. And it's not a made-up story. It's not a fable that Aesop might have written about. Jesus definitely died. It was an agonizing public death that Jesus died. But it was real. But equally as real was his resurrection. Jesus didn't nearly die on a cross and then he came back to life because he was in a cold tomb and it just seemed better he came back to life because of that. He'd really died and then he really rose from the dead. And that means, just like I put there, death and sin had to submit to Jesus. And if you want to, you can read it for yourself, can't you? It's always great reading the Bible. And these are all the passages you can read about the, the resurrection and what happened afterwards. Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20 and 21, Acts 1 and 1 Corinthians 15. So make some time during the next few days and read it for yourself and just see what's, what does God tell you about as you read about what happened in those days. So what did happen? Well, Jesus met with his disciples. He'd risen from the dead. So as I've put there, he was, first of all, this is important, he was seen by many women. But at that time, women weren't important. They are now, of course, aren't they, gentlemen? Thank you, that's a good answer. Good answer. Kian, what do you think? Yeah, okay, good, good answer, Kian, well done. So the idea is women are important. We know that. And so Jesus, at that time, showed himself to many women. Also, we know lots of stories in Jerusalem, on the road to Emmaus. 500 people at one time saw the risen saviour. If you were one of those 500, what would that have done to you? How would your faith have changed? You saw him die on the cross. How would it have been when you saw him risen from the dead? And I love this story in John near the end of the book, how seven disciples had fished all night and found nothing. And then this seeming stranger said, just fish on the other side. Remember, these were fishermen. They knew how to fish. And this stranger was Jesus. And there was 153 fish that were caught. And they had struggles getting it all in. And they spent time with him. Also at that time, Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples. But he also said, the Holy Spirit is coming. You're going to have power. I'm not just giving you a task to do, but I'm giving you the power to do it as well. You're not on your own. That's what Jesus was saying to his disciples. And of course, this wasn't just like in a film. You might just see this over a few minutes. This took place over 40 days. So from Jesus rising from the dead until he ascended into heaven and the, the angels are saying, why are you standing looking? Over 40 days of more things being learnt by the disciples, more excitements, more miracles, more teaching that they would have seen and heard. But it's amazing that those two angels, at first sight, seem to scold the 
disciples, why are you standing here looking into thin air? Why are you doing that? Get back to Jerusalem. There's things going to be happening. These are some of the things that uh, various translators say. Uh, so the English heritage, evangelical heritage version. Why are you standing here looking up into the sky? The expanded Bible. Why are you standing here looking into, staring at the sky? Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? New King James Version. The message. Why do you stand here looking up at an empty sky? And then the complete Jewish Bible. Why are you standing staring into space? And for me, because of the person I am, I do those sorts of things. Don't you? Or are you quite different from me? You might call it daydreaming. But sometimes I'm just minding my own business and it looks like I'm doing nothing. So maybe the angels would have scolded me as well and said, well, most definitely they would have scolded me, <laughs> wouldn't they, thinking about it? But do you know what I mean? It's important, and we'll come across this in a few minutes, that we all have different gifts. Some of them might be not so obvious. Some of them are really obvious at the front. But the gifts you have are the gifts you've been given by God. And God wants you to use your gifts, whether they're up the front here or making the teas and coffees or doing the words and the sound or praying or speaking and, and doing things with people. All of these are important. So what happened from Acts 1.11 to chapter 2, verse 14, when the Holy Spirit did come? There were 10 further days between the time when Jesus ascended into heaven and the disciples were just looking into thin air and when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. I think, like we've been mentioning, there would have been a lot to process in the disciples' minds. I bet they would have been telling stories to each other, saying, do you remember when Jesus said this? And Peter, you sank on the water. <laughs> they wouldn't. Do you think they might have said that? Laughed at each other? Laughed at what Jesus did? Remembered the good times? And just wondering what was going on. Because Jesus had given them authority. Given them, Jesus had said, there's power coming. And yet they wouldn't have known what that was about. But they would have remembered that Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, I'm going to give you power to go to the ends of the earth, Jerusalem, Samaria, everywhere that I tell you to go. Of course, we've read all of the book of Acts. We've read all of the Bible. We know what comes next. But for them, it would, I think it would have been very difficult Coming back to Acts chapter 1, verse 11 again. Here's two more versions. The English Standard Version. Why do you stand looking into space? And then the New International Version. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? But there's one brilliant word here that I love. I've been thinking about it this week. And it's this, for the looking, is blepo. And like it says there, it means to see, be observant and watchful. To see something physical with spiritual results or perception. That is, it carries what is seen into the non-physical, immaterial realm. Uh, so a person can take the needed action, respond, beware, be alert. So I'm looking at the why are you looking into space? And that word is saying, you're doing something important. 
So maybe the angels weren't scolding them, but just saying, yeah, you're looking into space, you're being observant, you're thinking about what's going to go on, but we still need to get on with some action. Maybe that was what was going on. If you've been reading the Onward over the last sort of few weeks, you'll notice that there's a picture here of a combine harvester and a picture here of a big mechanical horrible thing. It's in the same place because this is just by our house where it used to be a field. And for years, it was just a quiet road with a field at the bottom of the garden, a field down the end of the street. And once a year, a combine harvester would come along and it'll all be brilliant. But now we've got dozens of big lorries coming up and down our road every day. And they're building 621 houses right by our house where there used to be a field. But the interesting thing is, sometimes I look out, because remember, I, I look out and uh, daydream a little bit. I look out onto that field, and there's these ladies and gentlemen with these theodolites. And it just looks like they're standing there, looking. But they're really busy. And they're doing all these things. I've, I've got it written down. The other light was invented in the mid-16th century, and it's a telescope that can measure both vertical and horizontal angles. People that need to survey land for building, ooh, on use, uh, use them a lot, and they can be very high-tech. The operator, I've written, seems to be just standing and looking, but people with trowels seem to be doing all the hard work, and the people with these big machines are doing all the hard work. But the person with the theodolite is just standing and looking through this like, telescope and then checking angles, checking where things need to be built. But it's just standing, looking. Maybe you're a stander and a lookerer. Maybe you just stand and just think a lot. I think God has given you that gift. Because I know God has given me that gift. To stand and look. To perceive. To wonder at. To consider. Sometimes God calls us to action. And like we say, it's really obvious. And open. Sometimes God has given us gifts. Which don't seem to be very important. They don't seem valued. Because... They're not upfront gifts. Kind of just say, whatever God has given you is valuable. Whatever God has given you, he's done it because he loves you and he knows what you're like. He knows your character. He knows your abilities. He knows whether you like to go to bed early or get up early. He knows what you're like. He's given you the gifts that are good for you to use to bless other people. So have you got obviously obvious gifts? Or have you got imperceptible but still important gifts? Have a look at your, the gifts there again. And just think about what God has laid on your heart over many weeks or months or years even. And you're thinking, oh, thank you, Lord. 
I may not do things where people notice what I'm doing, but the gifts you've given me are important and you notice what I do. Has anyone got one of these? It's a library card. I remember when I was growing up in Addison in the 1970s, how we didn't have anything like this. This just seemed like a piece of card uh, or a piece of plastic, and we didn't have this. We had just had these three little uh, bits of cardboard, and then if there was a book we liked, we'd take our little bits of cardboard, and the librarian would put the, the card that was in the book into our uh, little card, and then they'd put it in this long box, and I noticed, because sometimes I went in at the beginning of the day, each, each day the box would change position. So the ones that were due in a month's time, after that month, would be in the first column. Because if you weren't there then, you got a fine. Do you remember those days? Yeah. And so it's different nowadays. But do you know, when you go and buy, borrow a book from the library, is it your book? Does someone else own it? But you're meant to take care of it, are you? Right. And maybe if you like the book, or maybe uh, something else, a CD or a magazine you might be able to borrow. You know, there's other things apart from books in libraries as well. But if you like it, you might tell your friends about it. You might say, oh, I read a really good story yesterday. It was set in America. La, 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 la. Have you ever done that? Library books. You use them but they're not yours. You're meant to look after them. And you can share the joy of reading what you've read. Where am I going with this? God's gifts. God's gifts aren't your gifts. They are in a funny kind of way. But God has given you the gifts. They're God's gifts to you. You're meant to look after library books. You're meant to look after God's gifts. If you enjoy a book, you're going to tell your friends about it. If God has given you a gift, you're not going to keep it to yourself. You're going to spread. You're going to be encouraging. You're going to be hospitable. You're going to do all these things which God has said. But the thing about gifts are, sometimes, because Christmas is coming, sometimes you might think, oh, that's a brilliant gift and not say thank you too much to the person who's given it to you. Watchman Nee said this, it is so easy to become more attached to the gifts of God than to the giver, and even, I should add, to the work of God than to God himself. And Watchman Nee was a Chinese pastor that uh, next week, when the next onwards out, there's a page about Watchman Nee, so you'll read a bit more of his background. But is it true in any of our lives that we think about the gifts that God has given us more than we think about the one who has given us the gift? Do we sometimes think about more about what God is calling us to do, which is important, more than God himself who has given us the task and the mission to change the world around us? What I want to remember in my life is I want to be grateful to God for what gifts I have, but also the gifts that God has given all of you. Because like we've said before, 
Just as a body has many parts, long bits, small bits, bits that make us move, bits that make us think, and all kinds of other things. So we need all of our gifts, all of us using our gifts to build up what is happening here in the Neaton, in this church and other churches as well, and of course what is happening around. If Jesus is your saviour, then nothing belongs to you. If Jesus is your saviour, your possessions belong to Jesus. Your abilities, your whole life belongs to Jesus. If Jesus is your Lord and saviour, everything you have belongs to Jesus. Not just the gifts that he's given you, but where you live, the things you think you own, but God has given you. Everything that we have belongs to Jesus. And this has got me thinking a little bit, because this morning I was thought, I know, before I come to church, I'm just going to read the book of Acts. Now, of course, that was a bit daft, thinking I'm going to read the whole book of Acts in like half an hour. So I skim-read the first 14 chapters of the book of Acts this morning, before it came out about half past eight. And I was interested in looking out for where it says the people were filled with something. Remember, I've only got the first 14 chapters halfway through. All of these places, and all of these notes are going to be on our website, remember. All of these places, the disciples were filled with the spirits. Or there's a sound of mighty rushing wind filling the place, and people are full of faith and full of grace and power and good works and joy. That's pretty good, isn't it? People were filled with the Spirit. But also, they were accused, these disciples, of being filled with new wine. And there are definitely people that are filled with lies and filled with jealousy. But what I was looking for the Bible for, really especially this morning as I was reading it, it says all those times that the people were filled with the Holy Spirit, but it never says they had a third full. They were a quarter full of God. Because it's all or nothing, isn't it? The Bible doesn't say, oh, I'm just going to fill Emmanuel uh, half full. Why would, why would God say that? God wants to fill Emmanuel and Phyllis and Jerry and Colin, the people sitting on the back row, with his Holy Spirit and not just a little trickle. Remember, he lavishes his grace on us. He wants to fill us. Here's another Greek word. Uh, plethio, to fill to the limit or max. Fill to one's individual capacity. And I think that's a really good thing because your capacity could be a lot more than mine for the things of God. And other people, we don't need to look around and think, oh yeah, their capacity is much worse than mine because that, that's, do you know what I mean? That's not healthy, is it? But what we are saying is we're all different. And so when we're filled with God, it's to our maximum level. It's to the capacity that we're at. Are you filled with God today? Are you at your max capacity with God? 
like so many of the disciples were? Or are you filled with jealousy? Filled with lies? Filled with things that aren't going to do you any good or other people any good? I want God to fill me with new life. More creativity, more joy, more of a listening ear to sit with people. How about you? Do you desire that you would grow in the gifts that God has given you already? Do you want and sense that there's more to life even than you've experienced already? I read this this week. How This is C.S. Lewis. How little people know who think that holiness is dull. When one meets the real thing, it is irresistible. Going for God is the greatest thing we can do in our lives. Putting God at the priority, the, the centre, the, the, everything that we have of wanting to know God more, it's got to be the best thing. Putting God first isn't the dullest thing in the world. It's the best thing we can ever do. Saying, Lord, can you help me to be a blessing to other people with the gifts you've given me? It's a thing that's a blessing to other people and a blessing for you as well. So these are some of the things I've been mentioning about over the last 25 minutes. We're using God's gifts, just like at the library, the library book isn't our book, but we use a book owned by someone else. God has given us all gifts to use to bless others. Some of us will have obvious gifts, but all of us have important gifts. And we can look around and pray for each other and say, Lord, will you help me to be a blessing to Barbara and Jill with a J and other people because they're a blessing to me. We need each other, don't we? Some people are good with numbers. Some people are good with words. Some are, I don't know how they do it. They sort of can mix concrete and do things in that sort of, I have no idea about. I'll look on a YouTube video about how to do some DIY around the house and it's not long enough because they haven't gone into enough detail. They just sort of just say things like mix the concrete or whatever, you know. I've no idea. But the gifts you have are there for a reason. Let me encourage you. Don't be shy at using your gifts. Don't be shy at praying, Lord, thank you for the gifts you've given me. Will you help me to be filled with you more to be filled with your passion so that I know that the gifts you give me will be put to good use so that others will be blessed and made whole. So that's what we've been thinking about. And so what I want to do is just to pray and say, Lord, do you help us? We're going to sing a little bit maybe as a response as well. But if you're thinking, yes, Lord, you've given me gifts, I'm not really using them. I don't even value the gifts you've given me. Then maybe today is a day when things can start to change. Maybe years ago, 
God was using in a special way, but that season has ended and you're just wondering, what can God do in my life now? You're still his son. You're still God's daughter. God still wants to use you in whatever situation you're in. So let's pray, and then we'll see how God takes us. Remember, if you've got a verse you want to read a little bit later, then go for it. Or if you want to pray, that's fine as well. But Lord, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you that you are so lavish and beautiful in giving us good gifts. Lord, as we seek to glorify you and to encourage others, help us, Lord, to be those that stand up, that keep in step with you. And if sometimes that does mean to stand and look, to seem that we're not doing anything, help us, Lord, to stand and look. But, Lord, as we keep in step with you, we want to honour you and be a blessing to others. Lord, we ask these things in your name because we want to glorify you, Lord. Amen.